taboo topic. It's a taboo topic. It's just, it's not appropriate to talk about money. It's something that's really uh, socially inappropriate, relationally inappropriate. You don't talk about money, at least at a personal level, with other people. Uh, Certainly, this is something I feel from my own history. In my family, it was considered incredibly rude to speak about money with other people. Uh, and so I still feel that myself. You know, if you want to ask me about how much money I earn, I'll feel really awkward about that. Or how much uh, money I still owe on my mortgage, I think, oh man, that's really, that's really awkward. Or how much I spent when I went out to dinner the other night, I think those things feel really uncomfortable to me. Uh, let alone me wanting to talk to other people about that. Hey, tell me about your mortgage. How much do you pay? What did you spend on that bottle of wine? I feel profoundly uncomfortable with all those things. But you know who's really not uncomfortable talking about money at all? Jesus. Jesus talks about money actually a lot in the New Testament. It's something that he sees, of course, is critical for us to deal with as his followers. Because what Jesus knows is that our relationship with money is a spiritual issue. And our relationship with money goes to the core of our identity. Because what is money? Money is kind of an abstract idea, right? What it is, it's just a symbol for what you value. Money is a symbol for what you value. Uh, You show me your bank statement, I'll show you what you care about. It's very simple, isn't it? Uh, I might say something to you like, I love overseas mission. I'm a great fan of overseas mission. And then you go through my bank statement and you see, well, that's kind of interesting, but you spend more money on craft beer and cafes and new mobile phones than mission. So how much do you really love it? Ouch. Ouch. I'm sure we could all feel uh, equally uncomfortable if we asked those questions of ourselves. But the interesting thing, when Jesus teaches on money, he doesn't just teach on money to make us feel embarrassed, to make us squirm, to make us feel like I'm not really comfortable here. Jesus teaches on money to bless us. He teaches on money not just to highlight our hypocrisies and show us our idols, though he does that. He teaches us on money so we can see who we're meant to be, what we're meant to value, how we can grow into the people that he has made us to be for his glory, and it's actually better for us than anything money could buy. We're reading today from the Sermon on the Mount. You know, uh, in that first part of Matthew's Gospel, we have this great sermon from Jesus where he talks about a lot of hard and difficult things, but they're all for our good. They're all to help us grow into the people we're meant to be for his glory. And uh, we're going to look at these verses we just heard read. It's quite a a long passage, but what we'll find is we really uh, need to look at the first couple of verses closely, spend most of our time there, and once we've got those first couple of verses in our heads, the rest of it just falls out really easily. So that's what I'm going to do. If you've got your Bibles there, please do have them open or switched on to uh, Matthew Chapter 6, verse 19 is where we're going to start. And let's just focus in on verse 19 and 20 and see 
what Jesus says about money. He starts off by telling us something very practical. He says there are two options for storing your wealth, for storing your treasure. Uh, You can have it in earth or in heaven. That's what you can do. You can store up treasure on earth or treasure in heaven. And this is kind of challenging for us because we think, well, it kind of makes sense to store up treasure on earth. We get that, right? That, that seems tangible, accessible, uh, makes sense. Storing up treasure in heaven is a bit abstract. How do you do that? Well, Jesus is going to teach us. He says, of course, you should choose heaven, not earth. Store up your treasure in heaven. And he gives two reasons. The first reason is this. The first reason is because nothing on earth lasts. Nothing on earth lasts. What do we have on earth? We have moths, we have rust, we have thieves. All the things we value, all the things we put our money into to buy and to purchase, they're all damaged by that. And it's not just moths and rusts and thieves, is it? It's also just wear and tear and accidental damage and fire and flood and and war and who knows what affects those things we store up on earth. That means everything we have in this world is subject to decay. It's not safe. Everything. Every precious memento we have in our homes is not safe. It's subject to damage or loss or theft or who knows what. Every piece of jewellery that we care about so much, that has a nice history to it and a story to it and maybe even some significant cash value, it's not safe. It's not going to last forever. Every musical instrument that we love so much and and that we saved up to buy and that that is a really special one of its type, it can get damaged. It can get broken. Someone could nick it. Every electronic device that we live by and pour huge amounts of money into could get smashed, get wrecked. There's nothing in this world, nothing that's secure. You cannot protect all of your possessions from every possible risk. Everything is insecure. We know that, don't we? That's why we have insurance companies and all those sorts of things, because we know this intuitively. Of course, don't trust the insurance companies either. They could go bust. Nothing is secure, ultimately. And if that's true then it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, to invest somewhere else, to put our treasure somewhere else. Let's put our treasure in heaven, where by contrast, everything is completely safe, secure and eternal. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? The problem is, as I said before, it's also profoundly abstract. How do you do this? You can't buy a car now, drive it to heaven and leave it there and say, great, it's safe. I've stored up my treasure in heaven. So how do you do it? Heaven is a different place. And what that really means is we're talking about a different kind of treasure. It's not cars and jewellery and electronic devices and musical instruments that you can kind of bundle up and send off in a shipping container to heaven. The treasure has to be something different if we're going to keep it in a different place. It's not material stuff. It's something else. Well, what is it? What is in heaven? What could possibly be kept there? Well, what's kept there is our eternal inheritance, which is our life 
in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself treasures us and treasures his relationship with us, and with whom by his blood, his death and his resurrection, we have an eternal relationship that we'll enjoy with him, uh, firstly in heaven and then ultimately in the new creation. Ultimately, treasure in heaven is the treasuring of heaven. Treasure in heaven is the treasuring of heaven and of heavenly things. It's treasuring that time when all of God's plans and purposes will be finally and fully established. That time when Jesus will be all in all and everyone will pour out praise to him and glory to him. That time when we will be taken into his presence and be with him forever. That's what we need to treasure. He gave his life because he treasures us and wants us to be part of that. We are to value that more than anything that we can have in this world. We are to treasure heaven and heavenly things and to put all of our energy and store and wealth and value and commitment into that, not into the things of this world. How do you do that? How do you store up that treasure in heaven? Well, we do it by investing in heaven now. Invest ourselves, our hearts, our lives in those things of the heavenly kingdom and of eternity. What kinds of things can you invest there? Well, you invest your time and your energy and your focus as you do things like share that good news. Tell people about it. As we invest in this, the local church, coming together as sisters and brothers before our Heavenly Father to praise His name. As we invest in works of service that honour Jesus and extend His purposes in His world for His glory. As we invest in acts of mercy, giving our time, our energy and yes, our money towards His priorities. Caring for the poor. Extending the kingdom. Doing things that heap glory on His name. That's how we invest and put our treasure in heaven. Maybe for some of us it will mean even thinking about giving our whole lives to that. Uh, Entering into some kind of formal gospel service. Making our lives about constantly and regularly and, and formally investing in heaven. Even as we'll all do that with all of our days as we live for him. But again... It's very much here, let's not make this too abstract, it's very much here in this passage going to be strongly and immediately expressed by our money. This is not just an idea, this gets tangible too. Jesus is talking about money here and what we do with our riches. For the Christian believer, I think the first call on our money should be our local church. We should be giving to our local church. Our local church. I can say this here because I have no direct stake in the financial goings on of this church, but my hope is that those of you who are members of this church, you consider yourselves to be Christian believers because of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a treasure to you, this place, and that's reflected tangibly in your giving. I should also say that for those who are unable to do that, for whom they just don't have the means to contribute to the local church, the local church should be contributing to you 
That is, it's not a one-way street. It's a sharing. It's a, co, uh, a contribution together of looking after each other, supporting each other, providing for each other's needs. Beyond the local church, of course, then we should all be investing in kingdom ministries. I will, of course, fly the flag for the Bible college. Uh, we need your money to support us. Uh, that's really important. We can't do what we do without it. And uh, I'm not saying that just because uh, I want your money for myself. I'm saying it because I want the college to run. I want us to have an institution where we train people up for gospel ministry and send them out into the works of the kingdom. And that needs to be resourced. But whatever it is, the call is clear, isn't it? Uh, the things on earth perish and rust and, and get stolen and eaten by moths. They're not secure. The kings of heaven are eternal. Jesus calls us to invest in those eternal things. Put our heart there. Put our life there. Have our attention on those heavenly things. And yes, put our money there too. That's the first reason why we should store up for ourselves treasure in heaven and what it looks like. Because that's the stuff that lasts. The second reason is this, and I think this is really exciting actually. Jesus says the second reason that we should store up treasure in heaven is because where your treasure is, there your heart is. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Now this is interesting because it's actually backwards to what we normally think. See, we normally think that where my heart is, that's where I put my treasure. Where my heart is, that's where I put my treasure. So, uh, consider where my heart is. Uh, I quite like fancy sports cars. It's a fun kind of thing for me to look at. When I have a day off with my boys, I have been known to take them down to the Lamborghini showroom and walk around and look at these cars that are mind-blowing hypercars and they're a lot of fun. That's kind of something that uh, where my heart is. And so it could be that my treasure could follow my heart. Uh, I could say, I really like sports cars, so I'm going to put all my money towards getting my own Lambo one day. Where my heart is, there goes my treasure. Or maybe it's something else for, for you. Uh, I love travel. Where my heart is, that's where my treasure is going to go. Uh, I love uh, great food. So uh, top of the town restaurants, where my heart is, that's where my treasure is going to go. But you see, it's interesting. That's not what Jesus says. He doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure is. He says where your treasure is, there is your heart. That is, it's not just that treasure, wealth, money, follows your heart. It can lead your heart too. It's a powerful idea. It's a powerful idea. Let me explain it to you. Uh, think about something really boring, like um, say uh, uh, something boring but valuable. Uh, I came up with copper. What do you think of copper? Well, copper's profoundly boring, right? But it's valuable. And on the stock market, you can invest in copper. You might not know that, but there you go. Boring but lucrative. And here's the thing. You think copper's really boring, right? But I'm going to dump a ton of money into copper on the stock market. And do you know what will happen? Suddenly, you will start to care about copper. Suddenly... My heart is growing for I have a keen interest in copper. When people talk about it, your ears will prick up. You think, I, 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 th I think I love copper a bit now. <laughs> What's happened? Where your treasure is, there goes your heart. Your heart follows your treasure. Isn't that interesting? It's not just my treasure follows my heart. 
like I spoke about before, but my heart follows my treasure. I think this is super exciting because it means you can use your wealth to train your heart. You can use your wealth to train your heart. If you feel like, in a kind of cold, abstract moment, I would like to love copper more, well, there's a way to do it. Put your money there. You'll love it more. But what if you think this? I'd love to love Jesus more. I'd love to love the things of heaven more. I'd love to grow. You can do it. Put your treasure there. You'll care more. Imagine this. Imagine instead of putting your money into copper, exciting as that may be, imagine saying, I'm going to drop $5,000 into a rural outreach program in Latin America. Now, you might have never thought about Christian rural outreach programs in Latin America before. But when you put your 5000 there or your 10000 there or whatever it is, suddenly you care. Suddenly when people talk about rural Latin America, your ears prick up. Suddenly when you hear about the gospel spreading in other parts of the world, you think, oh, I'm invested in that. I care about that. Suddenly you want to know how that program's been managed, how it's run. Suddenly you want to know about the people. You want to know about their spiritual lives. You want to hear about conversions. You want to know who's coming to know the Lord Jesus because that's where my treasure is. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? Where your treasure goes, there your heart will go too. I just think this is fabulous. You want to become more Christ-like? You want to love the things of the kingdom? You want to turn your heart towards God? As you're able, put your treasure there. And your heart will follow. And you will become more the person you want to be. When we do this, we grow up into who God has made us to be. You see, Jesus says, store treasure in heaven. It's not just to benefit those projects and programs that you might invest in, rural uh, outreach in Latin America or something like that. He says it because it's good for the state of our hearts. It's good for us to do this. It's good for us. Jesus has enough riches and finance and, and power to make everything happen without our money. We know that. Of course that's true. But he's good enough to give us the chance to put our treasure in things that will grow our hearts for his glory. So it's a kind of double investment. As I put my money into whatever it is that brings glory to Jesus and extends kingdom programs, those things are benefiting and I'm benefiting because my heart grows warm, warmer towards the things of the kingdom. How exciting is this? If you're... uh, not motivated just because you think uh, giving this money could serve kingdom purposes. You can be motivated because you think it's actually going to grow me more and more into a kingdom person. Where your treasure is, there is your heart. This is all, of course, by the way, a great reflection, isn't it, of what I said before. Think about it from God's perspective. Where's God's treasure? Where's Jesus' treasure? What does God love more than anything? Well, the scriptures tell us that God so loves the world and the people in the world that he gave his only son. That is God's treasure where God's heart is, is is us. He invested in us. 
He's given everything for us. He's given even his own life, the Lord Jesus has for us, because so much does he love us. And we are secure in him eternally because of the love he had for us. So really all we're being called to in this passage is to reflect him. Reflect him. He's done so much for us in our grace and salvation. Now we get to become like him as we pour our hearts into the things that matter most and do that through our treasure. Well, from here, the rest of the passage actually falls out quite easily. Once you've grasped this idea, uh, there's a few kind of uh, tricky bits in it, but most of it falls out. So we can see it quite quickly, can't we? Verses 22 to 23, we can see uh, this strange idea about uh, the, the, the uh, eye as the lamp of the body and the health of the body coming as a result of that. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. What does all this mean? Well, it's pretty simple. The eye is the lamp of the body, but the trick to understanding this is it's not a lamp that points out, like some kind of superhero, you know, lighting up the world as you look out. No, the idea is it's the eye is a lamp of body, but the lamp is pointing in. The eye is what allows light into your body. The lamp of the body, or you might say the lens of the body that lets the light in. Uh, and that really uh, makes sense of it all, doesn't it? If your eye is healthy, then that your, what happens is you, your whole body is lit up. You have light shining into your body. If your eye is healthy, then the light shines in and you have light inside you. If your eye is unhealthy or broken, then none of that and you'll be darkness inside. Right? It's tied, again, directly to the question of where your treasure is. This is not a new idea. It's part of what Jesus is speaking about. If your treasure is in the things of heaven... If your treasure is in the things of heaven, then you will love to see the things of heaven. And when you see the things of heaven, they'll kind of light up your eyes. And that light will fill up your body. That kind of idea is what we're talking about here. If you see the things of heaven and you're not interested, they don't light your eyes up, then your body will stay dark. String it all together, what we've gotten to so far. You invest in the things of the kingdom, the things of heaven, uh, you'll love them more. When you love them more, your eyes will light up more when you see them. And when your eyes light up, your whole body is lit up. This is God's gift to us. On top of the gift that we have of salvation in Christ is the gift of being lit up for kingdom things by Jesus. It makes sense and it's exciting and it makes you want the things of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, verse 24 follows, and it's really just the, the shadow side of what we've heard already. Jesus puts it as a warning. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I heard a great preacher once uh, training other preachers, and he said, it's always good to point out in a Bible text the impossible application, because lots of people will not believe it. The impossible, what's the impossible application? The impossible application of this verse. You cannot serve both God and money. The impossible application is to say, I can serve both God and money. And yet that's what a lot of people think. Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. You think, yeah, let me think about that. I think I, think I can. It's impossible. It's, you've got to hear how strongly Jesus is saying this. You cannot 
serve both God and money. You cannot be lit up by the things of the kingdom of heaven while fixed on things of earth. You cannot have your eye enlightening your whole body and be in darkness at the same time. Think about it in terms of a relationship. You can't say, if you're a married person, you can't say to your spouse, I love you with all my heart. I want to give myself to you. There is no one else who means so much to me in the world than you do, while at the same time being distracted by interest in another person. You can't do it, can you? You can't do it. No one wants that. No one wants that half-hearted, divided love. You can't, but by doing that, you're not really serving your spouse, even if you say so. Well, uh, it doesn't mean, of course, any of what we've been reading, that uh, you can't own anything earthly. Jesus doesn't say we should all be destitute. It doesn't mean no house, no car, no blessings of God's creation. But it does mean that we need to frame all of this correctly. We need to remember that all that we have comes from God. I think we, we often remember that. But we need to remember then that all that we have is for God. Everything we have is for God and His glory. Our homes, those of us who have homes, our homes are from God, but what are they for? They're places to glorify God. Our homes are places to glorify God. And that might be that they're, they're places of hospitality, not just entertainment. There's a difference between entertainment and hospitality, of course. Entertainment is just fun with friends. Hospitality is like a hospital, looking after people who need care. Our homes should be places of hospitality. Our homes should be places that we use to rest our bodies so that we're strong and able to go out representing Jesus. Our homes would be places, if we have families, where we nurture the faith in the household. Our homes are for the glory of God. Our cars are the same. Really? Cars from God, but it's for God. Our car takes me to places where I will stand up and stand out for Jesus. My car is actually at the service of any Christian who needs it. We try and have this in our family. If a Christian believer or if anyone actually says to us, can we use your car? We say, well, it's not our car, it's God's car. And if you need it, we need to serve you. Here's the keys. Right? How can this be for the glory of Jesus? Everything we have is for God because everything we have is from God. And we need to hold everything loosely as well, don't we? As we have many blessings, material blessings, as we frankly do have a lot of treasure... We need to hold it loosely. We need to be ready to walk away from it at any time saying, that is not my treasure. That is not what I live for. That is not ultimate to me. Uh, last year, or perhaps the year before, uh, we had in our area, we live up in Coromandel Valley, there was bushfires. And we have those catastrophic fire days where they tell you, um, don't hang around. Uh, that is, spend the day away because if a fire comes, you won't be able to get out. And so we have our bags packed during this part of summer. And uh, it's, it's kind of sobering because you think, if we're going to have to leave and maybe potentially come back to a house burnt to the ground, what do we want to take? And, and it's, it's kind of sobering but also really lovely and refreshing to think, here's a backpack. I've got a few documents that would be a real pain in the neck to have to go and get again, passports and, and whatever you have. Um, couple of knickknacks from here and there but even as we look around the house it's been just lovely for us to say no if it goes it goes if it goes it goes this is not where our treasure is this is not where our treasure is 
Don't get me wrong, we'd be devastated. But at the same time, it's lovely to have that, that moment where you can check in with reality and go, if it goes, it goes. Our real treasure is in a place where no moth, no rust, no thief, no fire can touch. In verses 25 to 34, Jesus uh, knows that we do tend to, though, don't we? Put a lot of our security in our stuff. We do tend to think the world has worries, the world can be difficult, and, and the reality is we need stuff. And so we tend to put our security in our stuff. And he calls us not to be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about your body, what you'll wear. Jesus tells us, don't worry about all these things. And again, he gives us two reasons. The first is that life is more than food. It's more than clothing. Life is more than material stuff. Ultimately, life is about relationships. Ultimately, life is about our relationship with God. Ultimately, life is about the Lord Jesus Christ and us living through him and for him. And if we spend all our time grasping and clinging on to material things and feeling like they're the most important things I need to live day by day, the risk is that we'll forget what life is about at its deepest and its most important. But more than that, the reason not to be anxious is because God will provide what we need. And there's those beautiful illustrations, aren't there, that Jesus gives us about the birds and the lilies who are fed and clothed without anxiety, without storing up. Why? Because God cares for them. God is looking after them. They're not worrying about what they're going to eat. They're not worrying about what they're going to wear. They're leaving that to God and God is providing for them. And here's the thing, of course. God loves his people more than he loves birds and more than he loves flowers. And God ensures his people has, have what they need. God ensures that his people have what they need. Now, to be sure, sometimes our definition of what we think we need will need to be adjusted in light of what God gives us. Often, we don't need what we think we need. What we need is what we have from God. And often God gives us what we need humblingly, not through our own efforts, not through our own uh, making of things secure, our own earning or our own uh, locking down and providing for tomorrow for ourselves. Often God gives us what we need actually through other people. Now I find that very humbling and very difficult but also very beautiful. In God's economy, Christian sisters and brothers are meant to look out for each other. We're meant to provide for each other's needs to make sure that none of us are going without. We see that in the early church, don't we? Where no one is lacking anything because all are sharing. There's just no sense that anyone in the early church would say, I don't have a meal today because their sisters and brothers say, of course you have a meal today. You have it at our house with us as you do any time you need it. That kind of thing's beautiful. Today we see the same, don't we, with our sisters and brothers on the mission field. Overseas, working in mission, uh, not able to earn money because they're out in places uh, spreading the gospel where it needs to go. Well, who's looking after their needs? Well, we are, aren't we? 
We're sending our cash to them so they can put the gospel forward. And again, remember, this is us putting our treasures in a place where our hearts will follow. Same again for uh, and my um, opportunity to plug places like the college. That's how we survive, by people putting their treasure in our work that we might do our kingdom ministry. Should be how the poor get clothed. It should be how the hungry get fed through God's work. Having said that, of course, there's a sober truth, isn't there, that uh, we know for lots of people the food doesn't turn up. There are no new clothes. There is no water, no shelter. And in the very worst of cases, people die. People's lives come to an end for lack of material support. That should break our hearts and that should drive us again to continue to invest in the things that God loves, in in caring for the needs of others, but also to continue to invest in the spread of the gospel. Because ultimately what we need is not food and not clothing. One day, even with the best food and the best clothing, bodies wear out. As of course we've seen this week with Her Majesty the Queen. She was not short of food or clothing or any treasure but ultimately that that doesn't sustain her for eternity does it ultimately that fades ultimately uh, her life is not kept by those things ultimately what we need is a relationship with Jesus because Jesus gives us life on the other side of death that's what happens in his resurrection So when we see the the sad thing of people not having the food they need, not having the clothing they need, not having the shelter they need, and and even dying as a result, it should motivate us, yes, to want to feed them, yes, to want to clothe them, yes, to want to give them shelter, but also to want to make sure the message of the gospel gets to them so that should they die, they live. Should they die, they live. We want to have... We want to share our treasure that we have in heaven with others so that even when earthly treasures fade, they will have the hope of heaven. They will have eternity with Christ. Jesus, through his self-giving, gave that to us. And now he gives us that great chance to be lit up with the exciting news of the gospel and to share that with others, that they too might have the benefit of his sacrifice and to live for eternity with him. Sharing his passions, sharing his commitment, following his example, we then want to live, don't we, to sacrificially bless others, to take all we have, every fibre of our being, every penny in our bank accounts and turn it towards things of the kingdom. Yes, it'll cost us, but none of that stuff's going to last anyway. What is going to last is our relationship with Jesus and the joy of eternity. And as we turn our hearts heavenwards by his spirit and by his grace, we actually become the people that he's made us to be for his glory. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much that the Lord Jesus emptied himself 
gave his life even to death on a cross that we might have life by his poverty we've been made rich and we pray father that our treasure would be in heavenly things in heaven itself and we would store up there by investing our our hearts our minds our energy and yes our our money in your things for your glory Please help this, Father, come to us not as a burden or a drag or an imposition, but as joy as we realize we can embrace those eternal and best things and in doing so extend your purposes and become more of who you've called us to be as we wait for the day when all of these things fade away and we enter into the glory of heaven to behold our greatest treasure and to be treasured by the one who treasures us eternally. Amen.